Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a Playback Media production. Guess all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Angels podcast, the podcast that is trying new things this week. This week on Heart and Hand, yes, it's Cameron James Bell. David, how are you? I'm absolutely brilliant, Cammy. <clears throat> David? Wait, what, what are you doing here? Well, the pod. Well, you're not on this week. Why? Because, why? Why? Because Cameron's on. That's, to, that's a ridiculous decision. Well, it's it is totally my decision. decision. Well, it's my decision, you'll just have to stick with it. No, sorry, I'm going to have to write a letter to the pod, I'm sorry. Scott, what kind of arsehole writes a letter about a decision they don't like? So, welcome to Heart and Hand. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host. And uh, as you can maybe have heard from the, the introduction, after Scott's complaint was upheld um, by the the people at the, the top of the pod, then we had to have him on. So, joining me this week in our, our brand new setup, by the way, our technological advance, Scott Vandenacker, Cameron James can I just, can, I, can I just go back to that decision? And I know that you've upheld an appeal that I've not you on this week. Yeah. I saw you and Cammy shake hands before the pod. Yeah, in a funny, uh, what is yeah. it, an, an alien manner. Right. Alien manner. It is a Rangers podcast. So before we get on to the utter lunacy of Celtic, because um, we have to, we try not to talk about them. <laughs> I wish it was a rule that they would have the other way back, but it's not. Yes. But we try not to talk about them, but we are going to have to going to have to talk about it. We've got this new setup, though, and Cammy, I know you had some concerns. Well, my concerns were that if we were talking, and obviously Edgar and I are, Staunch. We talk about the topics at hand. We're right one hundred and ten percent of the time, and as per usual, this big lanky ginger prick is going to try and come in with his, you know, the Egyptian third division. This funny thing happened. Blah. blah. No one gives a fuck. Just go on with it. 
Well, but then David reminded us all that that was the show. Yes, but Cammy, Cammy, we, we need to, we need to fill like forty weeks a year. If Scott didn't exist. We'd have to invent him. You can't break a winning formula, or or even this one. <laughs> that's the thing. I'll say one thing, David. The new technology is so good, right? It's yeah. so good that Cammy sounds like Mark Dingwall with heavy breathing. I think I, a lot. I think he's always just uh, wanted to to become Mark. But uh, so. he's finally he's finally married. Right. The, the last the, thing. The difference, the difference is the two of you are dressed. I'm not. <laughs> Speak for yourself, handsome. Right. The last time we did a podcast, it was really upbeat. It was really positive. Things were going really well. And to everyone listening, we're oh, sorry. Yes, we jinxed it. It was us. We apologise. We didn't mean it. It was us. And since then, Rangers went to Queen of the South and were dismantled. Um, managed to get slightly back on track with two home victories either side of a rather tepid draw or actually a way uh, victory at them but a tepid draw versus Cammy's home Living- team Livingston. Livingston so what went wrong in those four matches um, I've seen all of them Cammy you were at a couple of them tell us why did Rangers go from looking pretty decent to going back a couple of steps um, well, I mean, as we talked about at the top of the show, a bit like Van der Acker, Rangers had nothing up top. Mm. And um, it's, uh, it, it's it just, as we were talking during the game, David, just awful to watch. It was. The um, game in particular. I, 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 had a, I had a woman sitting in front of me, really attractive. I just decided to start watching her and kind of just grip my teeth at her rather than actually bother you know having to witness uh, what was on the park because it was so bad uh, I was seriously considering self-harming it it picked up a little in terms of the game against Dumbarton which you would expect to Dumbarton are probably the only team in that division that we can claim to own this season um, I think that was our fourth victory over them or fifth victory over them because I think there was a cup one in there as well but I think it's hard to, to look at five games and say this happened in every game but what was happening in most of the matches that became very clear with the introduction of Young Hardy, which we'll come to, but the strikers, he's, he's clearly decided Boyd, quite rightly in my opinion, isn't going to do anything. Daly's been injured. don't think he would exactly set the, 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 the header on fire anyway. And we've put in Miller and Clark, who sort of by default have become the, the number one pairing. However... Look, I can't complain about the running about a bitedness. They've run about a bit, and against you know Levy in particular, Queen of the South, they busted their humps. They ran all over the park. It was not a lack of effort. It was a distinct lack of quality. Scott, yeah, I think there's two things to to mention first. When we were cocker hoop a couple of weeks ago, Hibs and Hearts both came out to let us play a bit. They didn't need to be broken down in the same way. And they were both teams who I think expected to beat us or be able to match us. And I think that maybe masked some of our inherent weaknesses because we were able to play the game further up the field. When teams started digging in a bit again, as you said, all the same problems came back. Miller and Clark are trying to do the same job, which is run about a bit. And you cannot argue, as I said, that they both achieved that. But I don't. I think the cow's arse is entirely safe from Kenny and the... Clarky's banjos yeah, not in that sense not the hairy banjos um, and there was a lack of creativity and we had to try and break them down they basically these teams asked us to step up and break them down and we're simply not finding that easy but it, because as we go back to there's not that much talent in the team we're not that creative we're simply not that good 
And the only chance we do seem to have is when teams match up and make a game of it and open up to give us a chance. And so apart from that, we are still struggling. And that's what worries me a bit about some of the games coming up. If the teams sit in, it will be the same problem as we face, I think. Okay. Cammy? Yeah, I mean, Scott makes a good point. For me, I mean, there's, there's a few things in terms of where you're talking about the team selection. Miller and Clark are obviously now, you know, the favoured pairing. Um, I know we'll come on to Hardy in a wee minute and hopefully that will start to upset that kind of regime a wee bit as well. But the problem that you've got with those two is the fact that Nicky Clark was really kind of signed off the back of his ability to score goals within about an eight-yard radius of the of the goal line. And Miller is probably not much better. If you look at the goal that he scored against Hibbs, he had to take just under, I think it was between 140 and 150 touches in the box <laughs> before he actually distributed the shot. <laughs> And the problem that you've got with this is the fact that when you then see a goal from Vukic, for example, where he kind of cuts in and it's a carbon cut, every goal he scores yeah, it's, is It's the Vukic the goal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, though, that it's because of the fact he's willing to have a shot from distance. Miller and Clark won't do that. Yeah, there's and no, actually a lot of our team won't do that. Yeah, and there's no alternate to it. I, I, you're totally right in what you said about the running about in this. I've got to tip my hat to Dean Shields against um, Livingston, who I think to use the McCall-esque phrase, covered every single blade of grass in the park. He did. Um, Didn't do anything constructive, but he did work hard. Yeah, no, he did. But I think that that's where you're kind of matching what you said earlier on about that lack of quality. The effort's there, but the quality isn't. Um, And obviously, I don't know if it had an impact on the team or not, but uh, McCall had come straight back into the side as soon as the suspension was over. I don't really see the game from that. You know, I'm not going to get involved in all this, oh, it's, he's this, he's that, he's malignant influence on that, I don't know, and I've got my suspicions and I'm told things, but he doesn't improve the side, there's absolutely no doubt about that, he doesn't improve the side, he doesn't offer leadership, because you could put in a Davy Weir, when his form maybe wasn't fantastic, because he brought you other intangible qualities, I can't really, I can't see anything, I can't make that case for McCulloch. No. One of the one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest things that we had had, however, and this even when he was forty years old, which is three years older than McCulloch is now, was the fact that his overwhelming quality team was the development of the players around him. Practically everybody in that back four and Alan McGregor developed as a better player as a result of Davy Weir's influence. Yeah, very good and point. it's not even as if it's from a perspective of McCulloch coming back into a team that, from a morale perspective everyone gets a lift because it certainly isn't quality and it's not performance mm. what he's contributing towards that in any factor I've really got to question yep I think the problem that we have is against Hibs a few weeks back we unveiled that kind of almost that sweeper system and David and I were talking in the pod about how it was great because we've got no pace at the back none so someone has to maybe sweep so they can play a bit higher up the pitch the problem that we have at the moment is we're back to an extremely slow any pick any two or three or four or five out of what they're all slow as a week in the jail and, we're, and because we're not using that sort of sweeper system thing we're simply back to playing quite deep and McCulloch I think he, if anything makes that worse I think the position he takes up on the pitch it inhibits us building I also think we start most attacks from far too deep a position as well mm-hmm. but to cover because none of no one's getting any pay yeah we, we, uh, to use an American football term we have to, to run the whole length of the pitch to score something you're absolutely right we start very deep I think as well with McCulloch I don't think that he's comfortable at the back in the way that Weir was so Weir's lack of pace was covered by 25 years of positional sense and experience 
which McCulloch simply doesn't have. He's almost like a kid in that he's still learning that role, he's still learning that trade, which is a ridiculous thing for a guy to be asked to do it at, at his age, um, to, to suddenly have a new position and be asked to, to go and to do that. Now, Scott, you had a theory that this was perhaps the result of what you termed a dead cat bounce, which is when a new manager comes in, gives the players a lift, and they yeah. get a few results performances. I'd like you to explain that theory, and then I will tell you why it's wrong. Okay, um, here we go. This is where we set up David as a footballing genius. He's anyone, anyone is nice to you. Hey, thank you very much. Cam, it's great to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> I've really missed you. this. Yeah, no, this, this is why I didn't have children, though, because this is what I would do. I would get like the kids together and play them off each other for daddy's love. Yeah. It's a bit like Lord of the Flies, isn't it? It's kind of like that. As long as it's not the Lord of the Rings, you just know. You know how you said you're naked. You know Vandenacker's sitting there in his fucking elf suit, pretending yeah. to be like a. What is it? Do they do is it the the, the hobbits or something? Them hobbits. Yeah, yeah. they're not elves. The, the walls are the walls are covered in tarpaulin. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. How how are the hobbits not elves? They're tiny. Because elves are really tall and powerful and strong. Don't don't start. <laughs> no no. Right, how can elves be really powerful? Is there not something to do with the size of their feet? Well, you dwarves are perhaps river people, okay? No, don't, but, don't but, start me. But the term elfin comes, it means like small and delicate, and it comes yeah, from but not elfin. Tolkien's, not in Tolkien's alternative what, reality, okay? I've Just, said it before and I'll say it again, you are more in need of a blowjob than any man I've ever met. Maybe the format of the show can provide that later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, your foolish theory. <laughs> okay, my foolish theory is... Stuart McCormick, and amongst his early games, he was quite lucky, as I've said, the Hearts and Hibs were two of them. They came out to play, allowed us to get behind them, to look better than we were. Teams have sat in again. We haven't got it much quality of talent. He's finding it hard to motivate them, so we're back to being almost, but not quite, as keek as we were before the end. Right. The reason why uh, that's not true is because in a dead cat bounce, then it doesn't really manage it matter what the manager does in terms of formation, training, etc. It's basically just someone new and the players raise their game, correct? Correct? Mm-hmm. First two matches were draws. Right. It was only after a few weeks that results picked up. Right. Edgar won, Van den Acker nil. I love it when that happens. I love it when that happens. I'm sorry, so just so I'm clear on this, your, so your argument, Scott, is the fact that with McCall's coming into the job... That the next step was then everyone then just started we, we've then started to develop this new kind of tactical nuance that was missing before is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying the players perhaps realised that this wasn't a Butlins and so perhaps listened a little bit more intently um, perhaps the things we've said in the pod all season some of them, I mean this might seem bizarre but some of them might want to stay although they've not shown that but maybe with Stuart McCall coming in they realised it was the last chance saloon and maybe they listened to what they were being told Maybe they've never been told anything. There's also a counter theory that David and I had on the pod that there was no tactical masterclasses or indeed any tactical chat at all. So we don't know that they weren't listening before. Maybe there wasn't any in the first place. And I think they got organised. They looked a bit better. There were some different tactics from game to game. We said back three against Hibs. But I don't think they're that much better than they were before. I don't think there's that much difference. Maybe there's not any quality of talent there. And I think Hearts and Hibs not digging in deep probably helped us to get two results first which have really boosted the end of season running. I'm delighted it happened. But if Harson Hibbs had sat in as well and played everyone behind the ball, I don't know if he'd have got six points or six there either. But that's my theory. Can I come in with an alternative theory? Of course you can. 
the, my alternative theory is that um, <clears throat> for the first time in his life, Stuart McCall is now managing a team which is expected to beat the vast majority of their opponents. Yeah. The problem, however, is the fact that he doesn't know how to take a good team and break down a bad team when they stick 10 men behind the ball. And that's not a unique problem to McCall, but the difference being, however, is that for the two teams, or you know, the, 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 the main bigger teams that he's kind of managed on a longer-term basis uh, that he's been involved in, nine times out of ten, he was the one that was having to probably consolidate and then go and attack. Now... Where the concern is for me, and, and David's kind of touched on this with the two draws at the start of his, his tenure, is the fact that when push comes to absolute shove, what, what, is the, what is the alternate plan? How does he break it down with the, the you know, apparent quality that he has? Because he does have some, um, but it, it's, it doesn't, I, I'm, not, I'm not as, I'm, I'm not as uh, eager as you are to be able to try and see what's going to happen in the next few games. No, we have more talent than... See, we don't need to that much. My argument's always been because we, we've got more than the rest of the division, or should have. Should have. We know we're not going to win maybe the Cups are too much of an ask. If we dropped in the SPL, I don't think we'd win it. But in this division, I think we do have some, enough talent to have won it and to be whatever, almost 30 points behind Hearts is an absolute disgrace. I think part of the problem as well is that yeah, as you see, the team weren't used to, to winning. They weren't used to listening to tactical chat. There isn't that many options. I mean, the squad's threadbare. But I still think you could try something. I mean, although Pep Guardiola's getting slaughtered at the moment for not doing well enough in the latter stages of the Champions League. So Stuart McCall, I suppose, isn't hiding for nothing anyway. Um, look at the managers about to lose their job or in danger. People are talking about guys like um, Laurent Blanc and uh, Ancelotti. So it's just, maybe it's just a thankless job that is very difficult to do. And as Cammy says... He's not the first manager to struggle to break down two banks of four. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. I think as well that you both touched on this momentum. And although Rangers, and at times this season, Hibs have both managed to get a little bit. It's always been a very fragile. It's always been a couple of results. And then anything that seemed to kind of you know stick a, a fork in the, in the spokes really badly affected both teams. Um, Rangers obviously getting beat by Kunis and then looking quite wobbly uh, as a recent one. Hibs losing to us. And then losing three games in a row as part of that. The only team in this whole division that managed to get what you might call an irresistible momentum, where it's almost like deficiencies are covered by you know sheer enthusiasm and belief, has been Hearts, who got on that run very early, and it basically didn't stop until they had the the title secured. Whereas both Hearts, uh, both Hibs and Rangers have had this almost brittle confidence, uh, if they've had any, and any run. There's always been a thing at the back of both the team and the support's mind have gone, oh. So when a goal goes in against them, uh, Hearts are in that great place, and we've seen Rangers teams in the past do it. You see title winning teams do it all the time. They're in that great place, they lose a goal, they go, all right, that means we're scoring two. You know, it's that attitude. Yeah. Whereas it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an overconfidence when, when we had it. We came in from, the, from League One having went undefeated, and we came into the championship, and I think it's an overconfidence that McCoy's probably instilled in his players during these his stand-up routines that he used to do at Ock and Howie on a daily basis. Where, in actual fact, the idea was, um, you know, even similar to you're saying, even if we go a goal down, we'll win two-one. It's not that much a problem. And then all of a sudden, before you realise that you're going away to dumps like Alloa and all that kind of stuff, and realising that in actual fact, these teams aren't. In some of these instances, some of these teams are actually fighting for existence. This isn't about. A, mid, a mid-table finish you've got clubs like Livingston who if they were to get relegated would probably end up going to the wall so as a result of that these players are going in there and playing for their careers they're not playing for a big move 
So as a result of that, you're talking about having to have that fight of this supposed confidence, which is which is paper thin, against that kind of almost a steel willingness to be able to try and actually get a result. Because a point is a result. That's what will come out. If Livingston are able to draw against Hibs tomorrow, then that, as far as they're concerned, is a point that could keep them in a championship and in existence. Whereas what we're doing is we're going in saying, well, anything less than three points is is an absolute disaster. Yeah. So therefore, we'll win it come hell or high water. And as it turns out, it's been completely the opposite. Teams have actually been able to learn how they've played against this and got results at Ibrox, which was, I'm sure, unthinkable when you were 12 months ago. I think as well that yeah. the, you know, the, one of the problems that we've not got, even in the whole time we've been down, and I know there was the undefeated second division season, but still the performances... I think that we never got into our head that this is a free hit for these teams. It doesn't matter when in the season they play us. They're not really expected to get a result. They want one. They often think they can. But their players can go out there and just enjoy it. You know, have a right good cup tie style go uh, against Rangers. And a Rangers team that is panicky, is a little flighty, is prone to making mistakes, has occasionally this season chucked it. And I think that they have been able to, to take advantage of that. And I don't think our players have managed to realise that, yes, it is going to be a cup final every week. You know, teams are not going to go, this is a, a, a they're going to beat us. Do you, David, do you, think there's a, do you think there's a championship manager that's played against us this season that hasn't turned round and said to his players, the pressure's on them. Just go and enjoy yourself. If you, get the first enjoy goal yourself. Today, if you get the first goal today, lads, the crowd will get on them. And they will, it does happen. And good Rangers teams have to be able to cope with that. That's just a fact. It's not going to change. It's not going to change no matter what division we're in. I also think there's a factor which we, which I think McCoy's maybe overlooked, is that <clears throat> as you go up through the divisions, this is the first time that there's more more than half the teams are full-time. And also the type of players who are dropping through the divisions. Now we met some, remember famous names from the past, in the third division, we're like, could remember him? Remember him? This is the first time some of these players are still pretty decent and in fact some of the teams we're playing have got solid pros who've been around the block who are full time players and I think McCoists oh, would scoot and beat them I think they never got the mindset between playing part timers and joining a league where there was a preponderance of full time no, players I that. I, and I think I that, that's never bridged that. no and I think as well that I, I guarantee you because we've all seen it Camille looks at results of other team quite closely at times look at how many times a team has lost the week before playing Rangers played really well against Rangers, lost the week after. Of course, it's human nature. If you play for Livy, uh, or you play for Queen of the South, or you even play for Falkirk, and you look at your next three matches, and it's Aloha, Rangers, Cowden Beef, you know, you're going to be pretty focused on one of those matches. You're, there's going to be one of those matches you don't want to get injured for, and then there's going to be a reaction in terms of your physicality the following week. Uh, and I think you've seen that with Rangers just, inability to beat Livingston at the wrong end of the table because Livingston as you say they work hard they sit in they do everything that we don't like a team doing against us and we really struggle to, to break them down and to make chances I mean it's, t- it's tough in terms of being able to say we, we touched on the idea that, that teams will sit in and they'll do X, Y and I, and I understand that however um, Scott makes a totally valid point with regards to players where they are within that kind of phase of their career and I get that but then you've also got the other perspective as well, where there'll be players who looked like a fish out of water at other clubs and have found clubs within that division and they're now running the show. The best example I can have of that from what I saw last week was Darren Cole. Yeah, I've seen Cole a couple of times in the last few weeks and he's unrecognisable for, for the waste of space at Ibrox. 
Yep. Which again comes back to coaching. Yes. He's, he's clearly being coached, and, and he's clearly people have got an attitude. Uh, he had an attitude problem, and, and that's been dealt with. And yeah, he's he's been terrific. I've seen him, I think, three times in the last few weeks. And he's been he's been excellent. Okay, then. Well, uh, that's where we are. We we need to get back. Uh, well, we got back to winning ways against the Bartman. We need to keep that going. Uh, Falkirk on Saturday. It's not going to be an easy game. That Falkirk buoyed obviously by getting into the Scottish Cup final, and now a Scottish Cup final that they'll think is eminently winnable. Um, I suppose it really just depends on how we approach it, am I right? You'd hope so, I mean I think at the stage I was talking to some folk about this before and I think, now you know we've talked tactics and we've talked about difference Stuart McCall can make I think we're almost at the stage now when that's out the window, every point is a prisoner and we simply have to win and it, I don't know if new systems will do that, I don't know if it's too late now to training ground we simply have to beat Falkirk. There's yeah. no excuses for dropping points. No, that's um, we, have to, we have to stay ahead of Hibs. We have to. No. And it might be pretty. So. No, it probably won't be, but uh, fingers crossed. Okay then, uh, now, as I say, we don't normally like to, to touch on this sort of thing, but uh, the whole of Scottish football is talking, pointing, laughing, and that's what we do. So, yep, this week, Special Extended Sporting Integrity Award. The Sporting Integrity Award is basically, let's be honest, the SFA and Celtic. And the reason we, we, we dress it up normally, but it's the SFA and Celtic. And they've proved it this week. Um, both the SFA, the SPFL, uh, Celtic, one and the same thing mostly. But uh, first of all, there was a fixture, kerfuffle. Um, which, Scott, if you'd like to explain it for our listeners. I don't think anybody could explain it to the listeners. <laughs> no, no. Um, um, basically, the, the, the history of Scottish football was that you all the teams play their last match they play their games at the same time right? always have always will pretty much cured in stone uh, for the, the reason that probably the only time in the history of Scottish football that the term sporting integrity actually has been valid is to let teams know what they need to do in advance to, to rule that out to make sure that that can't happen so in their wisdom they decided that we'd play Hearts the day after Hibs had played we got the yeah. blame for this for some reason. Yeah, that was the thing. Apparently, we'd, we'd set that up, despite the fact it was Sky, who admitted later it was their idea. Yeah. So then, on top of that, they then uh, said, well, we might have to extend the season. Uh, now, that's not allowed, David. I'll well, that's what I thought. Because, you know, Hibs and Falkirk, or yeah, Hibs in particular, could get to the Scottish Cup final and the playoff final. We also have the Tour of Japan. Well, see, that's the thing, you, you can't, at least we know now, you can't extend a season to let a Scottish club have a chance of winning a European trophy. You can't extend it to let Hibs have a better chance of getting the cup hoodoo broken and getting into the top division, or full cup. It's just idiocy. Do you know of another league set up anywhere where fans simply have no idea when the playoffs might even might be, even... I can't, think totally of a, no, I can't think of another league thing that, that's run as amateurishly and although we all like to you know, take the piss out of them they really are so incompetent it, it's bordering on criminal I mean it just I can't think of any other company where you wouldn't have lost your job if you'd been this bad this often this long and brought such a program down on, on your organisation you would be fired but there's a reason they're there they act as a lightning rod now, on top of acting as a lightning rod, not even Neil Doncaster, Stuart Regan, 
could stop Celtic making such a colossal arse of themselves this week. Now, to, to put this into context for you, Celtic were supposed to win the treble. They should have won the treble every year that we've been down. Never in the history of Scottish football has one team had such an advantage. Never. Well, certainly not since, you know, the initial founding days. But since, you would have to say since, what, 100 years ago, mm-hmm. no club has found themselves with the financial benefit, the fact that a two-horse race got brought down to one horse for three years minimum, mm-hmm. and they were by far the biggest club, they had the chief executive on the SFA board, everything was set up for this club to go, and they can buy the best players of the, the opposition club so long as the other manager uh, does alright at it. Everything mm-hmm. was set up for them to win the treble. And Celtic, over the last five years or so, have choked uh, Hamden quite a lot. You know, yes. there's, there's a lot of matches that, that Celtic have choked at. I think St Mirren, Ross County, Kilmarnock, uh, Hearts. Hearts, one brings <laughs> to mind as well. And and the latest team to do that were perennial bogey team Inverness, Caledonian Thistle, who beat Celtic 3-2. Now, Celtic, of course, don't lose football matches. A dark and mysterious and complex Masonic conspiracy, which may or may not... Be be run from Downing Street. We have no proof. Once again, got in the way of this, this dark force, this dark political evil force, which got together and they met and they went, right lads, what are we going to do? Destabilise Greece? Nah, nah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a priority for us. Okay, well we could ferment agitation in Spain. <sighs> I don't really think this was, this was set up for, do you? We could make sure Celtic get knocked out of the Scottish Cup semi. Bingo! That's yeah. what we'll do. Yeah. This would I mean, be MI5 have been sitting around waiting, waiting for this. this would be you, make, you make it sound so transparent when you explain all that, though. Yeah, but this, this would be to any normal human mental. But to them, not only is it true, but their club, I love this, because Celtic didn't get a penalty, and it was a penalty, but they didn't get it, because Celtic didn't get a penalty... They have written a letter to the SFA to say, why did we not get a penalty? <laughs> and they have put out on their website that they are after clarification. A couple of things come out of this, right? Firstly, I'm going to open a tinfoil and postage stamp shop in Parkhead. And I am going to make a fucking fortune. Secondly, to any Celtic fan listening to this, a postage stamp, first class postage stamp, what? 50 pence? 60 pence? See... Every time Peter Lowell spends 60 pence on one of them to post a letter to the SFA, he saves himself three or four million quid on a player that you guys should be buying to try and get better. And he does that because it keeps up Celtic's financial figures and keeps him looking very good to his bosses. And you daft bastards, every single year, believe him. So instead of going... Why can we not win a treble when we've got all these advantages? Why can we not consistently beat these teams? Why do we choke at least once a season in a major match? No. Instead, you go back to a conspiracy that nobody could be asked to do. You don't count. You're not important enough. That would be too complex to administer even if you were. And three doesn't exist. You then make a howling arse of yourself to the rest of football which is odd because you pride yourselves on being loved by everyone 
when in fact, not only do they not love you, they piss themselves laughing at you. Now, we have had so many embarrassments over the last three years. I mean, tons. Rangers, oh Christ. We have had our cheeks of shame exposed repeatedly by the school bully. And do you know what? That was fair enough. Wasn't fun, but we went through it. But do you know something? Never once did we do it to ourselves. Never once did we go, right lads, how can we make sure the rest of world football knows what an utter fucking pile of mental we are masquerading as a football club? Absolutely. And say also, David, just quickly on Peter Lowell saving money, he could also add to that three or four million, he could save 60 pence. Because he's basically sending a letter to himself isn't he yeah it's basically you know? it's actually written um, dear SFA Peter why did we not get a penalty Celtic Peter Celtic yeah. Peter you just didn't SFA Peter Celtic Peter I'm not happy about that SFA Peter tough that's how that exchange goes it's absolutely. so ins- I mean listen it was a shite decision absolutely but see when for instance, off the top of my head Guidetti's dive against Hearts he didn't write a letter then. And for you to cling to this idiocy, I actually think it's sinister. Nobody in Scotland that I know really cares about religion anymore. I'm sure you get people at lower levels of society that give a toss about stuff like that. There's UKIP voters everywhere, right? But nobody cares. And if it's the first thing you go to all the time, it's you who's got a problem with it. It's not us, you know? And the idea, oh. I mean, there are pictures kicking about the internet of the referee who is allegedly doing a Masonic handshake. Well, I'll tell you something, lads. I'm not a Mason. See, if I was, though, the first thing I would say about conspiracies is, gone no date when a telecamera's pointing on you. Yeah. That, that would be, you know, kind of, in the top ten things not to do. It's like, if you have to do a Masonic handshake, why not do it in the tunnel? You'd also say that it's strange that a lot of this has been masterminded but against them, the powers are being marshaled by a team that they call Deed Zombies that didn't exist. So we're, it's amazing how a Deed Zombie team that doesn't exist could have got together such a monstrous, complicated conspiracy theory it's, just since Division 3. It's, since a, Division it's three. a delicious mindset that, that takes you to that. It's right. Um, everybody, the establishment's out to get us. How so? Well, we're, we're never allowed to win anything, but you do win stuff. I but that's because we're so great at football that we win stuff despite that. But th- they totally favour you. Well, why don't they let us win it? Ah, well, because you're only good enough, right? Okay. Why did they get us relegated to Division 3? Or oh, they couldn't stop that. Well, they're not a very powerful force then, could they? You know, it's just, there's so many gaps. But then I'm talking about lo- arguing logically, and there's absolutely no need to do that. And... I just really, I can't get my head around I just can't get my head around how grown-ups, grown-ups can do that. Lastly, just while I'm on a rant, this is, I think, Celtic fans' ultimate problem, is the fact that, and we've said this before, they hate us more than they love Celtic. And I shall offer this up as, as evidence for this. If you claim that your only rivals are dead, rubbish, don't exist, right? you then make sure that any achievement you make doesn't count. is isn't worth anything. So for Celtic to win this two-horse race where, by their own argument, one of the horses is dead, means nothing they do is worth any credit. And they, they've done that to themselves. They've said, we are determined to make everyone know that any achievement we do means nothing. 
Nothing we do in Scotland means anything because the only team that could give us a challenge are dead. And you think, okay, that's fine then. That just means every single thing you do. Why are you getting so upset about this? It doesn't matter anyway. You know, it's just, it's pointless. It's like a boxer going into a fight and after he wins a, a tough match going, that doesn't mean anything though. No. That guy's rubbish. They don't do that. Because, yeah. it's it, you know, you wouldn't see in a film, for instance, that them building up a dramatic arc with a good guy having to overcome no odds. I tell you what was brilliant though, David. I would just say to anyone listening to the pod, is check out some of the social media outpourings in relation to the game. Now, that was simply comedy gold. I, I thought Liverpool losing in the same day as Celtic was good enough, but then I, look, I looked at the Celtic sort of fans and some well-kent names and their social media, and that is just, that is good. That will cheer anyone up. Well, you, 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 you would ha- happen to be referring to the, the grandma who said that the <clears throat> Inverness Cali fans pulled down the Celtic players in the box. Yeah. Well, but she did this She did this during a TV interview where one eye was looking at the camera in front of her and another one was looking at Hamden behind her. I would though like to... Well, she two eyes. I, I would like to bring a, a, a touch of, uh, shall we say, a, a, an award flavour to this. Because I would like to give a special good Sporting Integrity Award to whoever runs the official Inverness Caledonian official Twitter account whose tweets on the match started off reasonably sober and by the end had merged into what can only be described as comedy genius. I'm going to read you a flavour, and these were from the official ICT. You'll find it at, at ICTFC. Celtic maybe should have had a goal penalty, but we've had three free kicks on the halfway line turned down, so we're basically even now. <laughs> free kick, Inverness, right on the edge of the box as Brown fills Draper. The Celtic captain is furious. He always is, though, to be fair. <laughs> 63. Griffiths is a thumbwind from putting Celtic in front. <laughs> um, good point for Inverness here in Glasgow. Haha, ha, just joking. It's extra time, folks. Hashtag banter. <laughs> this is brilliant. Right, in caps. No freaking way. Big Eddie O'Ferry has smashed Inverness in front in extra time. No, no way is this happening. The one, the one I liked in it was when he said, uh, "I can't." I think the boy's name is Jason Meekins, but he goes, uh, "Jason, Josh. Jason Meekins uh, saves on the line. Good lad." <laughs> There's one here, and the shot from Tony goes out for a throw-in, a throw-in. <laughs> then when the goal, the final goal went in. David Raven, all in caps. He never bloody scores. Of all people, he was 7,000 to 1 to score today. <laughs> then, at the final whistle, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. We did it, guys. We bloody did it. Start sobbing. And then the final <laughs> one. Celtic 2, Inverness, Caledonia, Thistle 3. A nation rejoices. Nation rejoices. <laughs> Come on. That is absolutely brilliant. I think the... Just the one, you know. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> it's brilliant. It was just a fan, and he was he was quite polite. Uh, should let us just Rangers Celtic games. I've said before that I should get to do. Uh, I know that the, the boys from Rangers uh, social media teams listen to this, and they should let me do one game. That's all I ask. Yeah. One. Yeah, one. I'll pay my own legal fees. <laughs> <laughs> I always actually said that to Murray. Um, you know, David Murray used to say we, we talk about improving the pre-match atmosphere. 
And I said, look, when we play the Sheep or Celtic, let me be the pre-match announcer. I'll do the half-time draw and everything in the pre-match and do the teams just once. They said, no. It would have been fantastic. I mean, I'd be jailed. Right. Yeah. And they'd probably have had to shut us down afterwards. And then there wouldn't be any debate for Celtic fans about whether we exist or not. They would have had to shut us down and raise us <laughs> to the ground. But it would have been worth it. You would have had to move to Ayrshire. Well, no, but you did that already. Did that already? Yes. Uh, it's good to be among staunch people, Cammy. I've been to Livingston. That wo- that <laughs> woman with the eyes that go in different directions. Yeah, the, the girl that get interviewed in the, the Celtic thing. She lives two doors along from me. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's a lot about Livingston that we just automatically thought that that was true. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's hear what the listeners I, think. Do you live in Livingston? Does the last one and a I'm, half eyes live near you? You think I'm allow Celtic fans in my street? No, no, that's why we have bonfires. We burn our houses down. <laughs> well, the winner of this week's Sporting Integrity Award, of course, Celtic. So, that's pretty much it for Hartland this week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been nice to, to, to have you all back on again. As I say, I've sort of felt like, you know, the mighty emperor looking down on, on the peasants. So are you naked now? Is that you talking about? No, I just uh, I, I, I enjoy my feeling of power. Um, I'm getting a little giddy though. I'm, I'm getting tired. It's, it's getting late. So what we'll do is we'll take a selection of the the listeners' comments on what they've they, they've thought this week about uh, about the old Celtic. Uh, first of all, a nice bit of praise from a guy um, by the name of Alistair Sidden. He said, "Listening to Ibrox Rocks on my day off makes cutting the grass a whole lot more bearable." Thanks very much, Alistair. That's nice. We don't get enough stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's got a house with grass. Flash bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, not be Livingston, I'll tell you. <laughs> Kenny, enjoying these mentalist CFC supporters moaning yet again about conspiracies. Spare a thought for them. They must feel T-Rebel. Get it? Treble? Oh, yeah. Terrible? I thought it was funny, mate. Ryan Irvin says, always cheated, never defeated. That's, that's very true. Uh, I don't think anyone could argue with that. With this being a, a Sunday... Oh, I'm not reading that. <laughs> was, uh, yeah, going to prison if that one makes the air. <laughs> and, uh, it's been a while since that happened. Um, and Scott Wilson, I think, says it brilliantly. Yes, but isn't it great to have the twitchy-eyed Celtic support doing what they do best? It is like a greatest hits tour, isn't it? Yeah, it's a revisiting an old friend. It is, it's like... It's like the, no, it's not. Old earlier, on, earlier on, David, when you were talking about the issues that we had and all that kind of stuff as well, this just provides so much, much desired levity. To, to your daily life the thing is is that see as pish as we are at football and as comedic as we are off the park it's things like this that remind you why you get out of bed every day and thank god that you're a teddy bear I mean it, it really it really is I'm sure god occasionally is like look lads see all this stuff I'm putting you through at the moment you've got a sin to be saved this is all punishment this is all part of the Calvinist work ethic this is all part of suffering and you'll get your reward in heaven but because I've been a wee bit harsh, here's Selick being Selick. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, could you imagine if what we've gone through recently, our main deadly bitter rivals had actually been any cop and not in fact an actual comedy outfit of, of wanks? Yeah, I mean... We'd have been in big, big trouble. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how can you not win a treble? Seriously, how can you not win a treble? The drummer from Death Leopard would get more trebles at the fucking lakeside than Celtic have managed in the last three years. <laughs> right, it's just it's not. You would fall into one of them. 
Yeah. But yeah. see, by accident, they should have won the treble. But instead, yeah. instead, like, oh, we weren't allowed to win the treble. No, you dicks, if we were doing a conspiracy, you wouldn't be allowed to win anything. Right, you were allowed to win it, you just didn't. You're shit. David, it's as you said earlier on, this is the reason as to why when we conspire against the forces of evil, it's not to our benefit, it's to keep them down because we would rather punish them than actually reward ourselves. Because that's that's their mentality. mentality. Yeah, that's their mentality. They don't feel joy at winning something, they feel happiness that we didn't. And that's the strangest thing about the twitchy-eyed element of the Celtic support. Dear Celtic fans that listen to this, some of you might not be nutters. If you're not nutters, let us know, right? You you can't all think like surely some of you look at that team and go, you know, we could have signed a couple more players. You know, we yeah. we, we could have not had Craig Gordon in goal. Mm-hmm. You know, replacing an eight million pound keeper with a freebie. Is, is, is Craig Gordon's moustache ever come in fully? No, no. I, that was a thing. See when he was linked with Rangers, I have to admit, I, I always despised Craig Gordon, and I was. Delighted when he signed for Celtic yeah. because he just to me he's the bum. He, the, the, it's the moustache. He's got that sort of uniquely Edinburgh. Look how much I look like I smell of pish thing about him. Yeah, you know that way. And no offence that not everyone from Edinburgh does. No, there's but some people. There's who some, don't, some people who don't. Yeah, uh, I, I worked mm. with some people who didn't, but. But in Gordon's case, he's three showers away for homeless. Yes, exactly. Yes. See that dressing room he was in at, at one time with Paul Hartley and, and Stephen Presley? That must have just reeked of pish. That must yeah. have smelled like a homeless woman after a bottle of Thunderbird. Aye, one, one, uh, one bar of Dove lasts about seven and a half months. <laughs> yes, exactly. Imagine them playing it away at breaking. They'd have to go under the hedge to find them after the game. <laughs> well, no, they'd have to get them there before because that's where they would have slept. So, on that bombshell, all that remains for me to do is to tell you how you can get in touch with us, heart hand on the Facebook page. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, ibroxrocks, R-O-C-K-S, and you'd be very kind this week with lots of likes and favourites and retweets, but it meant when I went down my phone there to read, because I don't prepare, I don't get the best ones, I just read them as, as they pop up, and it meant that there weren't any, so come on, you know. Give me some funny stuff to work with. We're fed up having to come up with this show. Um, you can do that, and you can also email us at uh, ibroxrock at playbackmedia.co.uk. All that means for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr. Mike Lee, Mr. Paul Myers, our sound engineers, Mr. Stephen Arnoldi, and Mr. Charles Ashworth, and of course, making his return after so many weeks away, Cameron James Bell. Boys, it's been great to talk to you again, and uh, I've uh, I've missed the two of you. Oh, Scott, you're you're not going to be able to top that, but give it a go. I have not only missed the two of you, but I've been thinking about you both sitting naked for the last forty-five minutes, and it's been a real treat. Let me tell you. Well, if you hear the car knocking at the Vandies, then don't come rock. No, it's the other way around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I, fucked it, but I can't be after you recording the pod now just for that one mistake. So you're just going to have to live with it, folks. My name is David Edgar. I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.